You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 40. And oh my goodness, my dear Quiet Rebels, this one is a goodie. And I didn't even realize how much we needed to have this conversation about different ways that we can view leadership. And in particular, what my guest and I go over in an amazing conversation today is about the power of introverted leadership. So as Quiet Rebels, many of us have um, strong introverted traits, or we are completely introverts um, ourselves. And I, for one, I actually identify as an ambivert, so I can kind of switch between the extroverted and introverted ways. But I know that it, out of the two, I am a stronger introvert than I am an extrovert. And the reason why I know that is because at my base level, I have very introverted tendencies. And so in this podcast episode today, my special guest and I, we're going to be talking about the power of introverted leadership, what leadership actually is. And it's not about being the loudest person in the room. It's not about being able to kind of command other people and have a higher rank. It's not any of that. And I'm going to leave it up to my guest, of course, to be able to define that for you because I don't want to give too many spoiler alerts. But oh my goodness, what I love is that towards the end of this episode, she drops some, you know, pretty hard facts, like good old fashioned research. And I was felt so proud <laughs> as an introvert um, at the first of the three knowledge bombs that she shares towards the end. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But all in all, I really hope that you join us for this interview today to realize the power that you truly do have as an introvert. And yes, believe it or not, you are a leader. So let's get into it. This is the place to be if you want the courage to live your life and run your business in a way that's true to you. Contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. But here's the thing, there's no time for you to be playing small anymore because you can make an impact on the people you want to help in this world by showing up and owning your message. And it is my personal mission to support you on your journey with every single episode. I am your host, Meike Sang, and it is my honor to welcome you to The Quiet Rebellion. Let's dive in. Hello, my dear Quiet Rebels. I am so, so excited to introduce you to my special guest today because she is someone super special who's going to be talking with us about how introverted people can lead powerfully in a loud and extroverted world. So us being quiet rebels and all, you know, many of us are actually introverted. And even if you're an extrovert listening to this episode, there's always going to be something that you can take away from this, no matter which side of the scale that you're on. But my special guest has got a very unique perspective about introverted leadership, and I had to get her on the show today. So thank you so much for coming onto the show, Teresa Kwan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, oh, Teresa. So your entire business is about being daringly great. So could you kind of tell us how you started to get into this space and what made you hone in on this idea of introverted leadership? Tell us all the details. Mm. <laughs> well, first of all, if you haven't already picked it up, I am a huge Brene Brown fan <laughs> and I have just appreciated um, her work on vulnerability and shame and courage and how to rise up. And similarly, the way Michelle Obama just said recently, actually on Obama's vision tour, when people go low, you go high. And I love that because, you know, it's not about speaking louder. It's not about doing better or bigger or going fuller out to be able to walk out your purpose. And, 
you know, she quotes Theodore Roosevelt when it comes to, you know, it's the, it's the person that is in the arena doing the actual work, getting up off the ground and falling on your face sometimes that those are the ones that count. And I love that because it isn't about perfection. It isn't about being the best. It's just that you are putting yourself out there courageously, standing up for what you believe in and making change. So that to me is what daringly great is, is you are, it's not just about being great. I always am obsessed with the whole idea of what is the journey to greatness or what makes greatness happen, but it's the daring part. It's the, the mm. chance makers, the risk takers, the change makers that actually are a force of nature. And how I got into introverted leadership is that, well, I'm an introvert. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so the topic is actually really close to home and a lifelong journey for me. I'm trying to understand and just this, this specific topic, you know, I feel like I can write a biography on it where, you know, I began as a very, very, you know, painfully shy girl, which every time someone would look at me, I, it's like all the ringing in my head and my ears would turn red and I would freeze. And I went from that to being able to speak on stages in front of thousands of people and be an executive in an organization. So how did a mute person, <laughs> mute painfully shy person, <laughs> become an effective leader for change? Mm -hmm. And I realized that the more I embraced who I was and how I was created and, um, and really appreciating the strengths of being an introvert, mm -hmm. the better leader I became. And the better leader that you, you and your listeners can also become. It's not about just, you know, doing what everybody else is doing, which most of what everybody else is doing is trying to be an extrovert. Mm, that is so interesting. And thank you for sharing that, by the way. And as soon as you said painfully shy child, I was like, oh my God, yes. And going from that to be able to speak on the stage in front of thousands of people, I was like, oh my God, girl, me too. I mean, who would have thought <laughs> right, that we would ever get to this spot? And I really want to ask you, like, before we get into kind of like leadership definitions, because I know that we may have varying ideas of what that means, could you kind of share with us what you meant when you said embracing introverted strengths? Because I would imagine that for me, for example, I was always called sensitive when I was young and it was always framed in such a negative way. Like, oh, you know, you're so sensitive, you keep crying and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever people say to you, take it to heart. Like, I always used to think it was such a bad thing. And it was only in the recent two years that finally somebody reframed it. I was like, no, you are highly empathic. You're hypersensitive to other people's feelings and their energy and you really tune into that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, so you're telling me that all my life it's actually been a strength, not a weakness. So could you kind of share mm -hmm. some other sort of strengths that introverts have that may have been perceived as weaknesses growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to separate one of the stereotypes about introverts that all introverts are sensitive empaths. Mm -hmm. That's actually not true. What? No, it's not. And there are actually a vast majority of introverts who are in the Myers-Briggs mm. tend to be the ISTJ type. Mm. And, um, you know, they're that scientist, they're the architects, they're the ones that want to be by themselves with their books or with their computers and are like kind of the jerks. You know, they're the jerk <laughs> introverts. And they are actually not as 
like empathic and, you know, because, you know, there are a whole group of introverts who are, who are not necessarily as sensitive. So it's just something that over time, I think has coupled together or has become more prevalent. Like people who are empathic express themselves more. And I think that's why, you know, it's perceived or known more widely that introverts can be more sensitive Mm. or what society might say is emotional or too soft or, Mm. you know, um, I know it's so, but you know, actually the, the strength that goes with that is that introverts actually they're, you know, they tend to, and I'm sure you can say me too, is that our, we have smaller circles of friends. Mm. Like we have smaller number, fewer people and, but we go deeper. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that, actually the reason why is because there is an innate value for connection. So the depth of connection is more important than it is to know like a thousand people and call them all your BFFs. So building more meaningful connections is a strength for introverts. And in fact, that very strength is the reason, one of the reasons why introverts make better, I dare say, better leaders than extroverts. And, um, you know, the counterpoint to that, some people might even say, oh, well, introverts, they lack the soft skills. Now that stereotypical language comes from the jerks who slam the door and have their books and say like, I'm going to work by myself. Mm-hmm. That actually comes from that where like they tend to isolate themselves and aren't really big team players and etc. So it's funny because like, you know, the little information that introverts have like expressed out has now like become the overarching stereotype for all introverts, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so that deep and meaningful connection, that desire is why like we have this empathic sense about us. Mm-hmm. But any great leader would know that trust is the currency for leadership. And to cultivate trust, you need connection. In the world of leadership, there's always the top down, bottom up, and am I a coach or am I like the person of authority and et cetera. And, you know, time and time again, the most transformational leaders are the ones who are able to build a level of rapport and trust where people are willing to throw their lives, do anything to follow this person. And that only comes through connection. That only comes through when someone who's starved to be seen or hasn't ever felt heard in their life are seen and heard by a leader. That's connection. Mm. That's connection. So, so yeah, so connection, building meaningful and deep connections is absolutely one of the things that is necessary for great leadership. Yeah, I can keep going. There's like so many. I know, I know you can. I know you can. I feel that before we go deeper into that, because um, right now I feel like we've definitely kind of shone a light on the power of of introverts, and now let's apply that to leadership itself. So when I personally think of leadership, I think of someone who's like leading a team. But um, prior to actually hitting the record button on our interview, like we got so into it, I was like, no, 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 we got, we got to share these gems. And the thing is, and you said like, oh yeah, you know, that is one aspect of leadership, but you know, there's Mm -hmm. more to it than that. So could you kind of share with us your definition of what you feel that leadership is? Mm -hmm. So leadership is the ability to influence minds and hearts towards 
taking action in a direction. That's leadership. Now, if you think about it, I mean, at first you might be like, wait, what? Like, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you think about it, like think about all the great leaders, like what leader comes to mind right now for you? Marie Folio. <laughs> okay, great. Marie Folio. Now, does she influence minds? Of course. Does she influence hearts? Oh, yeah. And do people take action as a result of that? Mm -hmm. There are many thousands and thousands of B-schoolers around the world. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, there you go. So a leader, you know, it's not necessarily, it's interesting. I think that, you know, one of the things we've been societally taught or domesticated is one of the words I've been using lately to think is that a leader is whoever's up front. A leader is whoever is the loudest. A leader is whoever is the strongest. A leader is whoever has the title. The leader is someone who has rank above you, right? And But those are actually all societal constructs for what leadership is that we've, you know, it's, again, it's like skimming off maybe that top 5% of understanding what introverts are like. Uh, this is like skimming off the top, top five, 10% of what is a leader. But in society, leaders, um, you know, yes, they can have the title. Yes, they can have the rank. Yes, they can be at the front of the room. And yes, they can be the strongest, biggest, brightest, loudest. However, the people who have actually radically changed the world are not necessarily people who have those attributes. Majority, it's like the iceberg. So, you know, they always say, here's the cliche verse of like, behind every strong man is a strong woman, right? (laughs) There is a whole army of people behind the head, right, of or the face of leadership. And oftentimes, the people who are actually running the whole thing are the real leaders and the real cultural shifters and the real change makers out there. So leadership isn't just having the pretty face and being on camera with a teleprompter. Leadership is, are you someone who is influencing people to make a conscious choice to do what you're, what you're asking them to do or make a conscious choice based on now their new beliefs or their new understanding of, of their contribution to society? Oh my gosh, there's just so much there. I'm just trying to take it all in. <laughs> No, no, it is wonderful. And I'm so glad that you kind of rewritten the definition of what leadership is, because yes, um, you know, the stereotypical leader is the one that we think of, you know, the one with the loudest voice, the one who has the highest rank above other people. But I love what you mentioned and uh, with the example as well, that leadership is actually influencing minds and hearts to make a conscious decision. And I uh, I love that definition. And I think you made a lot of, if not all, of the quiet rebels listening right now make them feel like they actually are a leader or help them realize that they actually are one. Because, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so inspired by you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go there for a second. Because right. part of what we did talk about in the green room mm. is that, you know, oftentimes, and I find this a lot with introverts, and I know that I walk the same path. So I'm not just, you know, I'm, say- I'm speaking from my own experience. That because of those kind of the shiny 10% of things that I thought was a leader, my thought was, wow, could I ever be? Would people ever want to follow me? Like, can I even like, do I have to muster up the courage to say the perfect thing in front of people so they would follow me? And um, and here's the thing is that if the, if the operative definition is to influence minds and hearts towards a conscious decision to make action, then I dare say you're doing that every day with the people that are around you, 
those in your business, people in your tribe, people in your family, people who are your friends, people who are your colleagues, society at large, even for you to vote. And here's Super Tuesday. It's like even for you to vote in the United States is using your voice, is using your ability to try to influence, right? And so one of the things I hear a lot, people will come to me and say, you know, there's two questions, always the first two. First one is like, how do I find good people to be on my team? And I get it. Like people think leadership is, oh, especially as an entrepreneur, that that means that I need to have a team. And if I don't have a team, then I'm not a leader yet. And I'm like, "Eh, that's wrong. (laughs) Because you need to recognize that you are a leader in your own right. Are you putting out that leadership? Are you helping transform lives? Are you contributing to society? Are you even giving advice to your niece, nephew, daughter, or whoever. When you're doing that, you're influencing minds and heart. Uh, so the second question I get often is like, oh, how do I become a good leader? Mm-hmm. I'm just not confident. I'm afraid I'm going to be a bad leader. And so I don't deserve a team or they're not going to follow me. And here's the thing is that the longer you put off recognizing that you have authority in leadership, that is given to you by you being a citizen of this human kind earth, then the longer you're going to be kind of trapped in this idea of like, oh, until I have a team, until I have a title, Mm. I'm not a leader. The more you recognize that leadership is about influence, it's not about a title, then the greater you can grow your confidence and realize that, oh, you do have the skills. You know, you are a leader. And confidence isn't something you drink out of a bottle. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> not. Oh, that's um, that is a really interesting notion. It's just a shift in belief as opposed to qualifying for this title mm. of being a leader. So it's actually just stepping into what we already are, but just believing it and mm. owning it from that space. Because what what you said was interesting about the whole team member thing, like. People feeling that they have to be something first or to have something first, mm-hmm. have experience in X area in order to feel like they're good enough in order to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Well, it is interesting because, and again, I'm going to use this word domesticate. I feel like, you know, decades of education and decades of socialization, there's this expectation put on us or norms and this is how it is. And what that's all taught us is that you need the qualifications Mm-hmm. That you need to rise up and climb the ladder and earn your way to the top. And hey, I am all about meritocracy. I think that earning more responsibility and earning the right to have more say at the table and earning authority itself, all that is actually a great way to look at yourself in the world. However, if you think that going to get a certification in leadership is going to make you a leader, you are dead wrong. Like there are so many people who have all the accolades out there and are crap leaders. And that's one of the reasons why like I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing is that I've seen so many people rise to the top using all of those rules, getting the titles, getting the ranks, etc. And it's very poor leadership. And that, and the leaders are the ones that steer and architect what our world and our culture is going to be like and prepare that for the next generation And when I look at some, a lot of our leaders of late globally, even I'm thinking, no way, this, this isn't, this is not the direction 
we should go. And so if that means I, I go out there and keep telling all the introverts in the world, hey, look, <laughs> you have some superpowers that the world needs. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you have superpowers to lead and the world needs you. Mm, oh, I couldn't agree with that even more because like what you just said about leaders of today, they kind of paved the way for the next generation. And um, when um, I think this is kind of like a flip side of it. I remember one time I was in the presence of a leadership coach and she helped to lead youth and help them step into their leadership roles. And then she said to all of us, like, you know, we all complain about, um, you know, the generation of today, but who were their teachers? And I was like, <laughs> that, that, mm-hmm. that hit me so hard. So what you just mentioned that, you know, the current leaders of today, the they lead the next generation. If it's not in a way that we want them to go, then it's up to us. It's our duty. It's our right almost, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to step into our true selves and pave mm-hmm. a different way. That's what, you know, the quiet rebels are all about. They're all about finding a different way if they don't quite like the current status quo. So if it's like the domesticated version of what leadership is and what we were born and raised to believe leadership to be, if we don't like the definition, then we can change it. And like the definition you gave in this interview today, I think that's going to be our united definition for us introverts. And like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) oh, you're the perfect person to like talk about this topic right now. So um, speaking of that, I have a question for you. Like if you feel that, you know, we need to rise up in things um, to kind of like put introverted leaders on the map. What are your predictions for the next decade when it comes to trends and changes in leadership? Honestly, I I haven't actually said this out loud, Ooh. but I really do believe that this next decade may just be the decade for the introverts. And why do I say that? Yes, I know. And it's not just because it's like, it's time. It's, I mean, <laughs> but it is time. Uh, and <laughs> no, it's, I, and the reason why is, you know, the cultural, culture and society. I remember one of my mentors, in my, like in my younger years, I remember her telling me, she was like, you know, society is like a pendulum. Mm. So there are things that are really like strong now but it's going to swing back the other way because that's just the nature of things. And of course, in my twenties and in my zeal, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, no, this is what we've you know, got to stand for. But she was right. And um, what I, you know, we can all look back on the 2010s and realize that our whole lives were completely revolutionized by a few things. And the first thing was the iPhone. Smartphones mm, yeah. That's the best thing that totally change the way that we have, we live and do our life. Right. The second thing is social media. Mm-hmm. So the 2010s was the rise of social media and the way that we communicate, not just the way that we communicate, but also just social media addiction is a real thing. Um, the rise in suicide, just this constant anxiety that you're not good enough is in our face every day by these very cultivated Instagram feeds, you know, and the third, to be honest, has everything to do with, you know, a swing that's happened even in politics. And we don't have to go all the way into it, but I see this global thing where, you know, it's almost like the last hurrah of boomers who wanted things to go back to the way things used to be for them, which seemed safe and less crazy. Um, And so there has been a lot of political strife in that transition. And so everything is all about, has been 
and I want to say is has been about being louder, being more seen, being better, more heard. It's a competition, a race to do things faster and better and all of that. Right. So it's, it's more like crank up the volume. And so if you think about a pendulum, if things went really loud, and really like, hey, look at me, and I'm going to be the best, and hustle harder, and go faster, and you're going to be left behind, and the internet information on your fingertips, and like, you know, you didn't see that comment fast enough, blah, 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 blah. Well, this pendulum is swinging the other way. And what does that mean? And we're in this age of hyper-connectivity, hyper-vigilance. Well, I think what people are now craving is the opposite which is what is real? Yeah. Like who are my real friends that I'm not just doing text message relationships with, you know, like when can I see them in real life? Like what, uh, like, and so this whole idea of like, what's like perception is reality. You know, even I heard this in, in my own corporate life, like I would be told like perception is reality. Teresa, you need to always like cultivate your image and blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying like, no, actually that age is done. And this next decade is all about actual reality. Let's get back to reality. Um, and that means it's about intimacy. It's about real in life, real in-person relationships. I dare say people are going to go to more events that are less rah-rah hype mm. and more about community. Yeah. Um, it's going into depth. Um, and trust rather than like a bunch of Instagram likes. Um, and you know, who are, who's in the in club and FOMO? Like, I think FOMO, it's going to be death to the FOMO. So I'm saying all these things and I'm like, wow, introverts, this is, this is our territory. Mm. This is where we live. Like, it's all about depth. It's all about what's real. It's, yeah, it's all about authenticity, you know, like, it's the, you know, the social media authenticity. I was like, that was engineered authenticity. Now it's like, what's real authenticity? And introverts can speak from a place, you know, where you're not saying 10 different things in the spectrum of a week. You're, when you say one thing, you know that people listen. They always say that when the quiet person in the room speaks, you should yes, listen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, guess what? Now people are looking for the quiet person, the person that says something that's real. And so, yeah, it's, that's what I think the 2020s are for. Oh, I love this. And w- when you said that the quiet person, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, quiet revolution, I'll turn, okay? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So we covered a lot about, you know, the trends and definitions and why introverts can make great leaders. And so to round off this conversation, I would love for you to kind of share, um, because I can see like one of the biggest, um, roadblocks, let's just say for us introverts to kind of step into those leadership shoes is a mindset shift. So could you kind of share like three sort of like mindset shifts that we can make today in order to help us really not even step into those shoes, but leap into those shoes and wear them with pride. Could you um, mm-hmm. share your two cents on that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is, let's start with, I like to start with facts. And so, <laughs> so first of all, I want you to know that the actual brain, the physical gray matter of an introvert is different than an extrovert. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, introverts actually have a thicker prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. So that is where you 
have short-term memory, but it's really about cognitive processing. So it's about how to, you know, think logically, how to like reason, make decisions, etc. So let's start with that fact. So with that, I want you to recognize that you as an introvert, you have more brain matter <laughs> in the right places, right? Than like an extrovert, which means what? I want you to know that this whole stereotype, like to stop taking on the stereotype that you're this shy, timid, gun shy, like, you know, person who doesn't know how to make decisions. I want you to take facts, which is that you actually have a higher, more developed, thicker gray matter in the prefrontal cortex, which means you actually have the raw material to make, think thoroughly, make better decisions, and yes, and take longer, right? Like introverts, they are more thoughtful before they make a decision, before they like speak out loud and say, okay, this is what I think. And the reason is because you have the ability to do that. You have the hardware to do that. Mm -hmm. And also that when you have a stronger cortex, especially prefrontal, that's the part that actually suppresses your lizard brain, which is the fight or flight. So no, you are not shyer and more timid. You actually have the hardware to be bolder and more like forthright because you have the brain matter to control that lizard brain. So how's that for my drop for one? <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, oh, we should have finished with that. That's such a mic drop. I was like, oh, well, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's shift number one is that don't listen to what other people say. Like introverts, our truth comes from within. And um, let's go with the actual facts and not what rumors say. So that's definitely one, right? Here's number two. So there was a Harvard Business Review. I love HBR, Harvard Business Review article. And it talked about this research, this famous research that said, did like a side-by-side of whether an introvert or an extrovert is a better leader. And they made it really simple. It was 10 minutes of t-shirt folding. Okay, t-shirt folding. (laughs) And one of the, and there was like a small team and a small team and they were all, they had the same shirts, same time limit, same uh, equipment, but one leader was an introvert and one leader was an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who folded, which team folded more shirts? Well, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be the introverts. Yeah. 28% more t-shirts. Well, how? Yeah. Why? Yeah, exactly. And the reason is because they found some of the things that came up was that, you know, extroverts, they actually tucked and distracted their team a lot. And they would constantly be like, oh, no, 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 do it like this. Oh, wait, let's try it like this. Oh, you guys, let's talk about like, how should we do this? They spent all this time, they wasted all this time, right, trying to direct and trying to control externally how the team would function with productivity. But the introvert team like made it really clear allowed them to be self-directed and their productivity level was way more focused and way more, I mean, 28% more. So I want you to your, you and your listeners to make the shift that a leader, a good leader isn't about talking more or being more directive or telling people what to do or et cetera, because oftentimes that's destruction. So introverts take on this new belief. Introverts, you as introverts are actually way more productive and you, not just for yourself, but you are, you are able to leave more highly 
productive and high performing teams. So just let people do their thing and still mm-hmm. trust. Well, let people be really clear about what they, cause you've thought through with your extra grade of matter. <laughs> and what, I like the instructions thoughtfully. You convey those instructions. You build rapport and trust. It wasn't this anxiety fear box of like, I need to fold faster. It was more like, Oh, okay. Well, I can do this. Yeah, great. And the introvert probably also says like, you're doing great. You're doing great. Like keep doing it. Right. Whereas the extrovert was probably like, no, that's not, that's not it. No, don't stop. Okay. Everybody stop. We're going to like figure this out together, you know? Oh. And the introvert was just shepherding, gave you really clear instructions and then shepherded and encouraged and cultivated through trust. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So I'm so curious about number three now. So that those are two. Love those. So we've got, yes. we've got more gray matter and more highly developed prefrontal cortex. Uh, research from Harvard um, says that introverts are able to communicate more well with their team and to be more productive. So what is number three? Okay. So number three is that introverts can manage uncertainty better than extroverts. Now you're like, wait, what, what, wait, uh, it may, may. so again, let's go back to this. I love how Albert Einstein says, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with the problems longer. So some of the greatest inventors of our time, the greatest scientists were all introverts. Think about it. They absolutely changed the way we do our world, you know, and their dogged commitment to solving the problem right? Extroverts, you know, you can say here's, well, introvert stereotype is like, you're shy, you're timid, and you don't make decisions and blah, 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 and you're by yourself. Well, the extroverted like stereotype is what? You're ADD, you're loud, you're like, you know, unfocused and all that stuff. Well, uh, there's some truth to all of these things. And Albert Einstein actually cognitively put himself constantly in alpha brainwave alpha brainwave state right <laughs> and if you if you know anything about brainwaves it's like alpha beta theta delta mm. and alpha is the zone of this is actually supposedly supposed to be meant to be our normal stasis or state it's a place of focus it's a place of relaxation you know a lot of people like hypnosis or meditation and whatever well guess what that gets you to alpha state mm. when you're in flow state you're in alpha state when you're in the zone and focused, you're in alpha state. When you're totally in the present, you're in alpha state. Okay. So that is the place of fully presentness in yourself ability. Your lizard brain is shut off. And, you know, they even say like when alpha flow state, then actually you go, you turn your prefrontal cortex turns off. I'm getting really nerdy for a second. <laughs> and what that does is it actually releases and opens up areas for creativity. Cause like, so you've signaled to your brain when you're in office state, Hey, so ancient lizard brain, that's fight or flight and always getting the universe for imminent doom. You can chill out now. <laughs> and like this prefrontal cortex, you don't have to keep thinking about everything. Like, you know, ruminate all the time. Let's like, Look at this problem as a whole. And that's flow state. So that's what Albert Einstein was in. And he even says, it's not because I'm just so smart. I stay with the problem longer. And so I want you to realize that like, okay, so introverts, if you don't make decisions quickly, 
or fast enough or that you're not like as nimble on your feet. Well, yes, learn to balance and how to be on your feet more, make more quick decisions, but also learn to iterate with new information. That's one way to go for it. That is actually your strength. I mean, Winston Churchill would sit there and like, apparently his carpet has like, you know, all of these like grooves in his rugs because he would walk around, walk around, thinking about what happened to not end the world as we know it. You know, he had the weight of that decision on him and he had to think it through. If Winston Churchill was, dare say, an extrovert <laughs> and he made snap decisions and just yelled at everyone all constantly correcting them all the time, like we might not have a world to live in right now. <laughs> right. So you as an introvert, if you are thinking about things for a while, right, and you are in the seat of uncertainty, I want you to know you have the hardware and you have the trustability to have cultivated an army of people or even a small army of people around you that's going to help you be your best and that you are probably someone who can be in that alpha state like Albert Einstein and create innovative next generation solutions and make this world so much better because the problem, the answers to the problems are in that uncertainty. So yeah. So well, embrace that. Yes, we shall. So, <laughs> so Teresa, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I, I love that this came from like research as well. So like, don't get me wrong. You know, I am quite an intuitive person, but sometimes it is nice to kind of hear the hard facts to actually give us even more reassurance that we are on the right path. We should embrace who we are. And I'm just so thankful for you. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. And I also know that for those who may need a reminder every now and then of how powerful they can be as an introverted leader, I know you've got something special that's just for us quite rebels. So could you share a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So like Mikey said, I have made a mini workbook just for you. And what it is, is to help you unpack the ways that you actually are already a leader. And so, you know, this along with all of the other facts that I have collected on what makes an introvert a better leader than an extrovert, I want you to just go down this checklist and do an honest self-evaluation. And if you're someone that is you know, maybe overly humble, do it with your bestie, right? Do it with your, <laughs> your partner, do it with someone who knows you really well and not necessarily inflating you, but like knows you really well and help you recognize these things. And the questions are going to help you identify where you're already living out and stepping into your leadership using that actual attribute. And I want you to like really do this thoughtfully because the more you recognize that you actually are already standing in your strengths, this isn't going to be a newsflash for you. Anything on this list won't be a newsflash, but what it will be is highlighting things that you didn't realize were actual strengths that make you a better leader. And my hope is that through this exercise that you start to identify yourself as a leader. And you start to consciously exercise that authority, that influence that you have. And when come time, when you are able to have a team and when you are working collaboratively, even with colleagues, that you're doing this from the perspective of being a leader instead of just, oh, I'll just wait till somebody else or like, I'm not really good at that. It's like, I want you to build up your confidence and recognize you are a leader. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for putting that together for us. And I love how we're actually in the URL. So what is the URL? I will pop it into the show notes as well. Even though the URL is easy to remember, but just in case our quiet rebels may be at the gym, walking the dog, or maybe dropping the kids off at school right now, what is the URL? And I'll pop it into the show notes as well. It's daringlygreat.com slash forward slash quiet rebels. Oh, yeah. Guys, we're in the URL. That's so special. I'm like, Teresa's actually the first person, the first guest to ever do like a specific freebie for us quiet rebels. So, you know, give her a pat on the back for that and definitely can do. So, Teresa, where can my fellow quiet rebels go to connect with you if they have loved the conversation, which I'm sure they have? Like, where is the best place to find you and connect with you? Yes. Well, we did talk about the age of Instagram. <laughs> and guess what? I am on Instagram. And I, and in fact, actually, Mikey and I, this is how we, we love our little voice notes. Yeah. And if this really rang true to you, I would love to hear it. If you want to share it in your stories and tag me, or if you want to send me a DM, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what um, stood out the most. And I was like, action. Like, what are you going to do differently mm. this next week as a result of that? So uh, you can find me at Daringly Great Leadership, Daringly Great Leadership on Instagram. All right. Brilliant. So I'll put the workbook and your Instagram in there. So thank you so much. And I've got two final questions before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? I'm going to start by saying that, you know, most people who meet me will say, you're not an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> Like when they don't really know me, they'll be like, what? You're not an introvert. And I'm like, oh, I am. You know, I totally am. You only just see me with my batteries charged. And so, but to answer, and some of you might identify with this, like there are so many things that I observe. Like I'm just such an observer of the world. And I think, oh, it does it have to be like this? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a social justice streak inside of me when it comes to the way people are treated, the way animals are treated, the way the environment is treated, the way society at large operates. And so inside of me, like there's just this social justice streak, like it doesn't have to be this way, right? It's the question has shifted from, does it have to be this way to, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm. And in my own way, I have found my strength and a voice and have continually found platforms to be able to share what those things don't have to be anymore. But what I realized is that it's not me and my own two hands and my own voice that can do it. It's about reaching out and sharing these strengths with other introverts, with other fellow people who are saying it doesn't have to be this way Mm. to start using our voice, to start leveraging platforms, to start communicating instead of just observing and saying nothing. So I myself am a quiet rebel because I'm not staying silent anymore, although I have looked and observed from the sidelines. But at the same time, I I love your podcast because I am all about saying like, okay, quiet rebels, it's time. Mm-hmm. Let's all speak the truth. Oh, I love the definition. And I think you've just identified a new way to describe what we are in a nutshell, that we have mm-hmm. this social justice streak within us and we want to spark change because... There are some things that are done in a way that we don't want and we are willing and fully able to change that. So thank yeah. you so much. And I'm so proud that you are, you know, um, a listener and you like also identify the quiet rebel as well. And I think that makes us all feel so good. <laughs> <laughs>
And one final question, as you may already know, the way that I round off all interviews um, with guests or even just solo episodes, when my audience hears the sound means it's time for a fact of the day so Teresa because you are my guest of the day today I'm going to ask you this question what is one weird fact about you that people can't easily find on social media or your website just something for us quiet rebels to know about you that it's just like weird or strange or it could be an experience or just a habit that you have that we would love to know <laughs> okay I'm like embarrassed to share <laughs> but that's why it's the right one <laughs> So, um, (laughs) so I, I still love my stuffed animals. I'm a stuffed animal girl. And, um, I, you know, my husband, he goats me with them. I mean, I don't have like hundreds and hundreds, but I do have quite a few and majority of them are penguins, but penguins. Yes. Oh, I'm obsessed with penguins. I love penguins, penguin, everything. I mean, I, I have, Penguins. I will go to, to a specific part of the world just to go meet a penguin. So like Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's on my list. Yes. Really? Oh, yeah, God. and Antarctica. Yeah, all my list. All my list. Next week, I'm going to go see some penguins too, um, oh. in Monterey Bay. So yeah, penguins, my friend. But more importantly, the more embarrassing part is that I still love my stuffed animals, and you know they're sort of like around my office and different. They're not like all clustered. It's like you know they're here and there. Oh my god, do you know what? I feel like, okay, Quiet Rebels, for those of you who are listening, if you also love stuffed animals and you finally feel like, oh, thank God, there's someone else who loves it, <laughs> send um, a DM to Teresa and myself of your favorite stuffed animal because actually yes. I brought one over from mom's house because I don't uh, live with my mom anymore, but like I live with my partner and in our living room, we actually have like five stuffed animals. Two of them are mine, two of them are my partner's sisters and one of them is my partner's, right? And <gasps> And my partner has um I don't know if you know Perry the platypus. It's um it's a character in Phineas and Ferb. It's like an old cartoon. And then there's also uh Donald Duck, like the the Sum Sum or Sum Sum. Oh yes, Sum Sum. Yeah, and there's Piplup, which is a Pokemon, right? So those three are like yeah. theirs. And I have like a little Shiba Inu plush. Aww. It's so soft. And I have a minimalist uh like cat plushie as well. So those two are mine. <laughs> Exactly. I know. I don't know if there is a room, maybe some of the bathrooms, like there, that there isn't a room that has stuffed animals, but yes, I do love hugging my stuffed animals when I'm watching my, you know, whatever, my Downton Abbey. (laughs) Great company. Thank you so much for revealing that because I feel like, oh yes, like you, you just like reached the next friendship level with me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yay. Lisa, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you shared, all of the facts and figures, and just and even the weird facts about yourself. I really appreciate your time and your energy with us today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, wasn't that so good? I mean, especially towards the end. I mean, to be honest, I loved the conversation overall, but just those last three mindset shifts and how to really step into the shoes of being a leader and wisdom you know, good facts and good research. And I thought, I was well proud. <laughs> I was so proud to be an introvert at that moment. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I mean, like we have more gray matter in our brains. We uh, are able to be more productive just from the way that we communicate with others and the like. And oh my gosh, it was so good. So my lovely, I really hope that you enjoyed our conversation today with Teresa and be sure to download her 
really, really amazing resource as well. I think that's going to serve as a really brilliant checklist and a good reminder for us that we are more powerful than we think we are. And sometimes it's just a matter of just reframing our current situation. I mean, all of us are leaders in our own right. And as a quiet rebel, you have a rebellion that can really help other people live the best life that they can. And so it's our duty to step into the leadership role. So if you love this conversation with Teresa and I, be sure to screenshot this episode and share it over on Instagram. That's where you can find both of us. So tag her at Daringly Great Leadership and tag me at Making Thanks. So I'm going to pop both of those Instagram handles into the show notes for you. So you can like just copy and paste so you know where to find us. And for all of the resources that we mentioned today, head on over to makeasang.com forward slash 40, because that is going to lead you to the special quiet rebels resource that Teresa's put together for us. Like when we're in the green room, I was so shocked and so honored and blessed that she spent so much time putting this freebie together and what I love is that for individual podcast interviews like she does like an individual freebie for the host audience in specific and you know it's specific to us because we have our own name in the RL (laughs) so we have quiet rebels on the rise Ooh, that's I really like that phrase quiet rebels on the rise guys I'm gonna like or sorry girls y'all whatever you like to be addressed as lovelies yes lovelies it's a good one quiet rebels on the rise i feel like there's something that i'm going to be doing with that name later on down the year i have no idea what it's going to be maybe it's a summit maybe it's something else who knows but that's where we are all together quiet rebels on the rise and maybe it can start right now with you stepping into the shoes of being an introverted leader So my lovelies, thank you so much for joining Teresa and I today. I really hope you found this episode super insightful. And if it's your first time here, I would love it if you could subscribe to the podcast. That way you can find more advice, more tips and tricks, and more stories from quiet rebels who are on the rise. So thank you so much, my lovely, and bye for now. (music)